of a ministry called Every Nation, and our heart is to see churches birthed in cities, in different nations, to see campus ministries started and birthed in different cities and nations, and to take mission trips and see the gospel grow. That is our heart and our passion. Young, old, babies, we don't care. We do not discriminate. We love what God is doing here. We're thrilled to be a part of it, and we're so happy that you're here today. Starting a new series today called Love Does. We finished up a series last week, a teaching series called Lions, Tigers, and Bears, and we're equipping you and us as a church to better handle fear and overcoming fear and trusting God. And as we head into May, as people are excited about summer, there's a lot of things that people talk about loving in the summer. What do people love in the summer? Popsicles. Baseball. Yes, we do. I do. Some of you don't. But we'll pray for you after service. People love the, people love the sunshine. People love the beach. People love the water. People love, some parents love having their kids out of school. Now, all parents love having their kids out of school, but you know you get, generally get a little more family time. There's a little bit more relaxation that's happening over the summer, and sometimes people get on the road together. There's lots of things to love about summer, but when we use the word love in American culture, oftentimes we lose the fact that, that this is, it's not just a feeling. Love isn't just how you feel about something. It's not a sentiment. It's, even, it's not even an emotion. If it was an emotion, you can't really control how you feel about something. You know, if you, if you bang your finger with a hammer, you're going to be mad. And you might, something might come out of your mouth in a moment like that, right? You, you, you can control to a measure what comes out of your mouth, but you can't control the fact that your body feels pain. You can't control that. Yet the Bible and the scriptures, we are commanded to love. And so this isn't something where we are just kind of washed over by an occasional feeling and we love in a moment and don't in the next. No, 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 that's not the kind of love we're talking about. Love is an action word, and it is tied to some very distinct actions in Scripture. And as we're heading into the summer, you know what I'd love for us to grow in? I'd love for us to grow in how we love each other and how we love our community. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be a great summer? Father, be with us. As we grow together over the next several weeks, God, as we're encouraged and challenged, Lord, we love you and worship you. Amen. So I have a story to share with you about two 90-year-old women named Betty and Bertha. Now, Betty and Bertha were longtime friends, I mean, they were friends their whole life. And at 90 years old, Betty was, uh, you know, she was approaching the end. Sorry to say. And Bertha is there with her, and, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to each other. And Bertha says to her, she says, you know what, I'm, I'm so thankful that you loved me as a friend. And I have one last thing that I'd like for you to do for me. When you get to heaven, I want you to try to figure out a way to come back and tell me what heaven is like. Now, Betty and Bertha had played softball together their whole life. They were fanatics about softball. 
And so they had hoped and dreamed that heaven would be a place where softball just exists. And lo and behold, Betty passed. And the next night, Bertha's in bed and a white flashing light appears. Bertha, it's me, Betty. No, it isn't. You just died. I know, but I'm back. And I have a ton of great news to share with you and a little bit of bad news. She says, give me the good news first. She says, heaven is amazing. It's springtime here, a cool 70 degrees every single day. There's no crying. There's no crying in softball. And there's softball here anytime you want, every day, anytime. She says, all the people we used to play with are here, and I'm playing anytime I want right now. It's amazing. She says, well, what's the bad news? She says, well, the bad news is that you're pitching Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Wow. Woo! Guys, I'm here all day with great corny stories and corny jokes. Yeah, put your hands together for that, guys. If you are listening online, that was, I mean, that is, woo! I mean, I worked hard on that story. You need to know. Okay, sometimes you need some unbelievable cheese in your life. We need it, right, to just lighten the mood. Here's the deal. Here's why I like this story, is that we see two friends. If you love me, I know you do, but if you love me, will you somehow figure out a way to make it back and tell me what heaven is like? It's obviously not a true story. But Jesus says that if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so we already see in Scripture this idea of love being tied to a set of actions that we would do something, that it would, it would, it would provoke a response from us to someone else. Love does. Do this. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John 3, 18. It's a simple, big idea this morning, but I want you to just remember it, deposit it down into your soul because I promise you that there will be a time where you do not want to do this, but love is an action. It is an action word. And there are times where you do not want to love each other. There are times, husbands and wives, where the Action of love does not connect with how you feel in the moment, but you choose to love because love isn't an emotion, it is an action. And I choose to love, even though I want to choke you out right now. I choose to love you. I would never, Amy wants to choke me out. I, I would never feel that way towards her, never. 1 John 3, 18. John says this. She said, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I'm going to read it one more time. Dear children, 
This is a letter that might as well be written to us. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You can love with actions and you can love in truth. Hopefully we marry them together. But what he's also saying is that sometimes there's a way to love with your words and it just doesn't ring true. And so we've got to back it up with what we're actually doing. Let me read the full context for you. It's a little bit longer, but just bear with me. John says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. It's a heavy sentence right there. Anyone who does not love remains in death, the old life. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his love for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, John is using some descriptive language. He is not literally saying that you have murdered someone if you're struggling to love them well. But that if we harbor bitterness and anger and don't love people well, it's like we've murdered them. It's, it, it, it's the same anger, the same rage, the same bitterness that leads to murder is the same thing that's being harbored in your soul just in seed form. This isn't how we live. This isn't how we show the world Jesus. We love one another. Love does. Love is an action. You guys with me today? The ultimate act of love is demonstrated by Jesus, as we just read. You and I have sinned, and we've sinned before a perfect and wonderful God. And what does God do? Because he so loved the world, he sends his son, Jesus. God looks upon the brokenness of the world, and he loves us so much that he sacrifices and he sends his son. And his son Jesus lives the life that we couldn't live and he took the the penalty for our sin and he looks upon the cross and once again he looks on the cross set before him and he does so with love for a broken humanity and he lays his own life down for you and me. Love is an action. It's an action word. And so as we talk about four things today that love does, I want you to understand that the entire context that we wrap this around and through is Jesus' great act of sacrifice for you and for me. All other loves that we can talk about, growing to become, growing into, is really, it's really found inside that one act that Jesus made for us. 
What are some things that love does, church? Obviously, it sacrifices, but we're going to talk about four things over the next four weeks, and they might be a little bit different or unusual for you. We had a birthday party for my four-year-old who just turned five yesterday. And, you know, there were some kids in the neighborhood who came over. And we're sitting there, and when you look at your son and all of, you know, these little buddies are around the table, and, you know, they're singing happy birthday, and, you know, they're beginning to eat ice cream, and people have brought presents for him, and you just see people, how do you not enjoy the moment? Now, not everyone likes to have a party, and I realize that, but there is something special about celebrating one another. When you love someone, you go out of your way to celebrate them. Do you not? Think about your children. Think about your mother or your father. Think about your friends. The things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you go out of of the way to make that person feel special, to feel valued, to feel worthy. You go to great lengths because you love them. We understand this intrinsically. This is what love does. Love celebrates. And what I find interesting when I read the scriptures is how much God is in to celebrating. Jesus' first miracle, where was it? It was at a wedding celebration. And in case you missed it, he didn't crash the wedding. He was invited to the wedding. People liked being around Jesus. In fact, not only was Jesus invited, his disciples were invited. Now, I'm not saying that these guys were ragers or that somehow, you know, they were, they were crossing the line of morality that happens at a party. But understand that people wanted Jesus and his gang at the wedding. That should tell us something about Jesus. Jesus was great at celebrating. And his very first miracle happened, not in a synagogue, but at a wedding. What better party? Then a wedding. I love going to weddings. I love it when the DJ starts hitting the music and it's, game, it's, it's, it's go time on the dance floor. Sorry. That's right. I like to dance. I'm not ashamed. I was in a boy band too. Wow, there you go. That was free, everybody. <laughs> Jesus attended celebrations at the homes of Pharisees. Parties. He attended celebrations at the home of Matthew. Zacchaeus. We get all the details. He tells a parable that's centered around a great wedding celebration. He helped people understand God by telling them of the lost coin. And when the lost coin was found, what did the person do who found it? They got on the phone with his friend and they rejoiced together. They celebrated that that which was lost is now found. He tells a parable about a lost sheep. And when the lost sheep is found, the friends are told, and what do they do? They party and they celebrate together. In the Old Testament, when God is teaching the Israelites how to literally be the people of God, he gives them seven feasts of celebration. And he doesn't suggest that they do it. He commands them to do it. We don't often look at the God of heaven and earth 
the God that sent his son Jesus, that one of the ways that love manifests itself and shows itself so strongly is in the act and form of celebration. Love celebrates. Love celebrates God, and love celebrates each other. What I also find interesting is that if there's any place that the enemy loves to just get us complaining and whining and downcast, is it not the people that we should be celebrating? It's you're wanting to pull your hair out and you're frustrated and you complain and you're speaking words of death over someone rather than words of life over someone. And we get stuck complaining about our team Complaining about a job that didn't get done. Complaining about a boss. Complaining about a co-worker. Complaining about life. Pick your place. Pick your person. Pick your thing. And yet what God loves to do is to celebrate that which is lost that's found. To celebrate the goodness of God. To celebrate that which is righteous. That which is holy. That which is awesome and fun and this and that. God loves a people that celebrate. And I think this is an area for us church. The global church. Let me rephrase that. Maybe even the American church. That we can grow in. Can't we? Can't we grow in this? this uh, I'm not giving license for you to just go tie one on at a party. That's not what I'm suggesting in the message today. But what I am saying, church, is that if there's anybody who should know how to be life-giving and the life of the party, it should be those who have been forever changed by Jesus Christ. If there's anybody who should know how to, you know what I mean, have a good time, it's you and me. It's the church. Those who've been set free. And yet sometimes, you know, it's just life's hard. You know, the Eeyore spirit from Winnie the Pooh. You know, I lost my tail. You know, I just, did you see the food here? I can't eat any of it. You know, that's, there's no, I mean, gluten-free. I, there's no gluten-free option. You know, so I, I just, I guess I'll just go hungry and, uh, you know, my, my friend isn't here yet, and I'm just kind of lonely and bored, and I don't really know what to do with myself. And, you know, that's not my favorite video game that they're playing over there. So, I mean, my life is pretty much terrible. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but we do this. We love to complain. We love to complain and to be critical. And you know what? I am not excluded. I find myself drifting there faster, and i got to catch myself, than I do the other. Some people are uber positive, and you know what I mean? You're like, what, what is wrong with you? How are you this positive about everything in life? <laughs> they need to be criticized. You know, there's something wrong with those people. Just kidding. Well, my point is this, church. We should know how to celebrate. So here's four things that I want to encourage you with. Um, even before I get to them, I'll share a quote that my dad, my dad used to say all the time at our house. My dad passed away over 10 years ago now, actually. There was something that he was famous for saying at our church in St. Louis and in our neighborhood and just growing up. He would say, treat every day like a holiday 
and every night like a Friday night. He would always say it. Treat every day like a holiday and every night like a Friday night. What do people put? TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, right? Well, thank God it's Monday too. Thank God it's Tuesday. Thank God I made it to Wednesday. I get to, I am alive on Wednesday today. Woo! Right? I'm not suggesting that there are not hardships in our life. I'm not dismissing that. That is real. We've got pains and we've got difficulties. But I love when I read the scriptures and I see people holding on to God and holding on to faith, even in the midst of that which is hard. And some of you have even seen it where you look at somebody and they still have the joy of the Lord even when their life seems to be imploding. How is that possible? Because the scriptures tell us it isn't your personality that gives you strength. The joy of the Lord is what gives you strength. It's the joy of the Lord. And one of the ways that we cultivate joy is by learning to celebrate well. So here's four things. If you are note takers, today is your day. Because I've got four points for you, which is not my traditional preaching style. I'm a storyteller at heart. But today, you've got four points, okay? Make them quick. Turn to 1 Samuel 11, 12 through 15. As we do, I'll tell you the bullet point. If you want to grow in celebration, we need to learn to celebrate success. And I'm not just talking about worldly success, but understand it's okay to celebrate non-spiritual successes. You know what? You built a great website. Man, congratulations. Man, I'm pumped for you. Wait, you got a raise? Bro, high five. I love it. Man, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. You gave a speech at work? Dude, that is scary. Way to go. Like, man, I, I, I'm so pleased and proud to be your friend. What are we doing? We're celebrating just the little things in each other's life. Love your new haircut. Looks great. You're so pretty. <laughs> Guys don't say that to each other. I don't even know if girls do, but I figured I'd throw that in there. Sorry. If I just completely ugh, offended half the people in this room. 1 Samuel 11, 12 through 15. People said to Samuel, who was it that asked, shall Saul reign over us? Let me give you the context. Saul is has been just anointed king, and there's a, there's a, we'll just say a bad guy without even going into all the names. There's a, there's a bad king, a bad ruler, you know, in the area who wants to gouge out the eyes of God's people. And Saul, in his righteous anger, rises up, gets an army, and he goes and whoops the bad guys. But apparently there were some dissenting voices before Saul went and attacked. And so now these people are saying this, who was it? That said, shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us so that we may put them to death. But Saul says, no, 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 no. No one will be put to death today. For this day the Lord has rescued Israel. 
And Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites had a great celebration. Why did they celebrate? Because Saul led people to a great victory. Did God, was God ultimately behind that? Yes. But understand, God is ultimately behind every good and perfect thing that you experience. Every great thing you experience, we can attribute to God. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be celebrating one another. You got a raise, way to go. Man, I love it. I'm proud of you. You led life group this week. Great job. Way to step out in faith. When's the last time you just celebrated well the people around you, encouraged them, thanked them, made sure they felt like a million bucks? We're not worried about our own success. Love concerns itself with celebrating the success of others. Man, I'm so thankful for you. You did such a great job. You're such a good friend. Thank you for that thank you note. The list goes on and on. You guys with me? Love celebrates success. You know what else love does? Love celebrates new life. Luke 15, 22 through 24. The story of the prodigal son, you can read all of it if you'd like on your own time. But I'm just going to get the, the tail end of it. The, the prodigal son, the lost son, is returning home. That which is lost is becoming found. And the father is, you know, he's scanning and he's been waiting and watching for his son. It's such an emotional story and we miss so many of the Jewish tradition in this parable. But understand that this father wasn't just kind of working and going about his day. He's spending his time scanning the horizon for his son. He can't wait for the day. He's hopeful. He's in faith. He's in expectation. And he's waiting and waiting and he finally sees his boy. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. There's another part of the story we won't even get to, and it's the critical older brother. See, many of us fall into the camp of the critical older brother far more than the family members who are ready to party and who are ready to celebrate new life. When people give their life to Jesus, when they stand or sit outside this school and they get baptized, when people are on campus getting baptized in fountains and at conferences and you pick the place and name it and people are coming to faith and their life is being changed and the old is gone and the new has come, that is worth celebrating. There's nothing worse well, there are worse things, but it grieves my heart to see people making decisions to follow Jesus, getting baptized, praying, praying prayers, and people just, 
like it's no big deal. No, it's a huge deal. And it is worth our celebration. And it's one of the reasons we moved here to start this church. New life is worth celebrating. By the way, fun story for you. We went down to Columbus State University, two hours south of here. If you've ever been to Columbus, congratulations. Because I didn't really know where it was or that it existed or that there was a university there. But Bible study was started by a student named Logan. And he literally basically gets on the phone. He's heard about every nation because of Nashville. Gets a hold of Jerry Turney, a guy nobody here knows. But long story short, our church gets put in touch with this guy. And Bible study to gross about 17 students in about six weeks. And over the course of six weeks, eight students with two more on the way just got baptized. Amazing. We had no place to baptize them. So we went to a fountain in downtown Columbus, and it looked like people were being waterboarded in a fountain because the, the, the fountain was like two inches high. And so the only way to baptize them was in the actual geyser itself. So I'm push, putting them down, and it's just like, you know, the water's just smoking them in the face. <laughs> they look like they're being waterboarded. It's hilarious, but you know what? They did not care. And the reason they didn't care is because they were leaving something old behind. Colossians 1, 3 through 8 says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. I'll stop right there because one of the other things we need to celebrate is maturity. Not that you would just arrive at maturity, but that God would be growing you. One of the reasons we celebrated what happened in the offering is because our church is, is beginning to grow in this area, and we needed to grow in generosity. We still, need, we still have room to grow in generosity, but that doesn't mean we don't celebrate what God is currently doing. God is bringing some of you to places of freedom where the old is getting further removed from your life, and that's exciting. That's worth celebrating. You used to have a just foul mouth, but God has set you free. You know what? Praise God. That's awesome. I love that. That doesn't make you a Christian. But it still is an amazing celebration of God's grace at work in your life. Your marriage is on just the rocks, and yet look where God brings it. It might have taken you a long time to get here. You might have needed a lot of counseling. You might have needed a lot of help. You needed a little bit of hope. But look where God brought you by hanging on. That is worth celebrating. Is it salvation? No. Is it the grace of God working in your life? Yes. And that's worth us having a party about. It's amazing. Look what God is doing. Look at the growth you've experienced. We read this verse because, well, I'll finish it. Verse five. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. 
You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. I'm going to say this to you, church. Probably no one here even knows who Epaphras is. And yet, this person gets a shout out that the rest of the world for the rest of time will get to hear about. Paul makes sure to throw a little celebration in. I'm thankful for this guy. Look what they've done. Isn't this amazing? The gospel's bearing fruit here. Just like it does everywhere. Look what God's doing. It's worth celebrating. And lastly, we need to celebrate Jesus. No brainer, right? (laughs) I realize that. But sometimes it's amazing. We can get so busy. We talked about this in our life group this week, that if God, if, if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If he can't get you to sin, he'll get you to be busy. And you can get so busy that you forget to take time to spend time with Jesus, to praise him, to thank him, to celebrate him for what he's done for you, for what he's done for me. Galatians 1, 3 through 5 says that grace and peace to you. Paul's writing a letter. He says, grace and peace to you, church in Galatia. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you who gave himself for our sins. Jesus did this. He did so to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace to you and to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who saved your soul. It's party time. Don't forget, Church of Galatia, who your first love is. It's Jesus. Jesus did this. Jesus started this. Jesus will finish this. And that's worth having a party about. Don't ever forget it. So they would have communion, and we'll be having communion next Sunday on Mother's Day. Mother's Day? On Mother's Day. Mother's Day. (laughs) Mother's Day is going to be amazing. (laughs) So, all right. I'm just trying to keep it fresh up in here, you know? My goodness. So, so. I don't even know where I was going. Oh, communion. (laughs) Guys, every time we celebrate communion together, my dream is to set all the tables up one day and have communion like a party, like raise your glass to Jesus Christ. Raise your cup. Let's raise a shouting voice. You know, there are a couple things being in the school we haven't been able to do yet, but that's kind of a dream of mine. I, I love the idea of communion not always being this somber, reflective moment because it doesn't always capture the other side, which is the celebration, the joyful noise that we get to bring unto the Lord. There's place for both, mind you.
but it reminds us to celebrate Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It started with him. It ends with him and everything in between. Amen. Guys, today is a, is a special Sunday, not just because we're starting a series or something like that, but it's a bittersweet moment, but also one that we are without question going to celebrate today. Our campus directors, Jared and Katie Huntley, it is their last Sunday today. And there are a lot of students here in support and who have received ministry from them and are here to cheer them on and are here to celebrate them. And so here's what I want to do. If you're going to, if you're going to share this morning, Dom, Gabby, go ahead and come up here for just, for just a moment. And Jared and Katie, would you please come up here as well? I'm going to move this out of the way. <clears throat> Today, we have the privilege of practicing what we're preaching. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating success. We're celebrating what God's done in them and through them. Some of you aren't even aware of all the details. And so I'm going to save a little bit for the end here, but Jared and Katie have been pastoring at Kennesaw State University, and they helped transition a Bible study that had started in my living room to their living room, which is no small feat. That's tough. And then we officially got school status at Kennesaw State, and then we officially got status at Reinhardt University, saw a little Bible study beginning over there as well, and so we saw a multiplication beginning to happen. It's been exciting. It's been hard. There's been plowing that's happened, yet it's been successful. It's been worthy of, of, of celebrating. And before we get any further, I wanted you to hear from two people who have been impacted by the one and only, Jared and Katie Huntley. Gabby? I'm going to start with you. So every time they have spoken to me about them leaving or they mentioned it on campus, it is just, oh, it's bad. So I'm going to hold it together today. and It's going to be great. Um, Jared and Katie have been so amazing on campus. When I came to ENC the first time, there was like five, six, maybe seven students and now we're like almost 100, and it's amazing. And um, I mean, it's 50 round up. Um, and, um, I like your faith. I like your But they've totally impacted my life in such a huge way, and they've been there through the weirdest seasons and the hardest seasons, um, and they've brought so much friendship and joy and new friends into my life. Um. Um. It's okay. okay. <laughs> Good. And I'm really gonna miss them, and I had this whole thing planned that I was gonna say, and now I can't remember it. But it's okay. I'm really excited for them, and they've totally been there through everything with me. <laughs> and I've had breakdowns at their house at midnight. I've been there till like six o'clock in the morning. I lived with them for a stretch, but. They're so amazing, and I'm really excited, and now I'm really sad, okay. but I'm still celebrating, so it's great. <laughs> Thank you, Gabby. Gabby spoke like a true minister right there, didn't she? 100 people, you know, just faith, yeah, 
just full of faith. <laughs> Strong. Thank you for sharing that. You, you, if you didn't catch it, what you can catch through her emotion is how much Jared and Katie have meant to her personally and what they've walked with her through and still walking with her as friends and in many ways as little moms and dads. Um, and uh, it's been extraordinary to watch. Dom, come on over here, brother. Hello, everybody. So um, I know Jared and Katie both have touched so many people in this church, and um, Andy asked me to speak, and instantly I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, last night I was praying about it and thinking about all the things, and like, I don't think I can express how appreciative I am of you guys. I mean, really, how pivotal you guys have been in my transition of becoming a Christian, which was really very recent. Um, but, I mean, really, when you think about it, Jared was the first person I met in this church. He's like, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, all right, cool, all right, this is nice. I like this. It creates an, envir- like an environment, and I'm like, this is awesome. And uh, <laughs> so from there, he instantly was like, hey, man, we need to get a presence on life. And I'm like, new Christian? I'm like, okay, like, sure, let's try it, I guess. And I didn't know anything about it, and so really held me accountable to that. And it was awesome. I mean, it grew. We had a presence on it. We talked. We met. We went to their house. Like, it was awesome. And even down to the first person praying over me, you were the first person that prayed over me multiple times in public. And it was just, I experienced all these things and these things and talking about the hands and feet of God, like really seeing that in you guys both has been amazing. And actually, um, I have a picture that I sent. Um, If you guys could bring it up. Super intense picture of just... (laughs) Work being done. <laughs> I mean, he's getting dirty in there. He's like sticking his whole hand in. And uh, I don't know if he's like trying to drown me or like really show me God's glory, but either way, like just such a good picture because <laughs> I love it. And um, that's, it just means so much that you guys have been so open and open your house to us and, and really been there and been praying for us. And we're all going to continue to pray for you and Andy's going to do that here, and we just love you guys, and thank you so much for everything. So great, bro. That is a great picture. Jared is enjoying every bit of that. Like, I am so going to give it to this guy. That's awesome. He, de- he deserved it. <laughs> Don, would, would, how long, I'm trying to, get the the numbers right you guys started a bible study at at reinhardt is that right i mean i'm sorry at life university and uh, we've seen multiple students now from life whether it's whether it's trickling through the bible study or or just trickling through invitations to the church but but we've seen students come to faith uh there here and uh that's because of the foundation you guys have helped lay here so thank you other things you may not know church um Jared and Katie helped set up here at the church for a very long time. <laughs> he's, I guarantee one of the things he's not upset about is not being on the setup team. I mean, he was the, they were the pioneers of it for like, what, 18 months, two years-ish? You know, two, two years? Oh, two and a half. Made sure I knew that. Um, and, you know, what you see here. Like when you when you when you come and you get to experience a great church in a school, it's a lot of work that's going into it. There's a lot of people putting in 
you know, time and energy to make it happen. And for two and a half years, two of the main people who did that were Jared and Katie. And you got to encounter and experience God because they were rolling up their sleeves and coming over here and helping set up church for you and for me. And that is worth celebrating. And so we've seen out of their life, a campus ministry grow and get born. Not in one place, but in many ways, two places. We've seen the church move in kind of the next chapter of who we are and develop service teams and set up teams and design work and just, you know, creativity and all that stuff. It's been, it's been great to see, and we're thankful for what you guys have done here. Our church is not, wouldn't be the same without your investment in our college students. And it's important for us to remember that, and it is worth us celebrating right now. Um, you know, three years ago, Katie and I moved up here to really plant uh, and grow this campus ministry. So we just want to first say thank you to you guys and thank you to this church, High Point Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have such great memories here, memories we'll have of, of all you guys that we'll carry for the rest of our lives. Um, so a couple years ago, I started going to KSU, uh, getting an accounting degree, uh, real exciting stuff. Um, you know, for someone like me, it actually is very, very exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> And uh, I started to do really well in it. I, um, I got some great connections in the, uh, the, in the public accounting world. And um, I accepted a job with, an, with a public accounting firm that starts in June in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where we're from. So we're very excited to go home with our new, our new little family and be closer to both sets of grandparents. Uh, it's really a blessing, and we thank Jesus for it so much. And I'm probably taking too much time, but I know... Um, I want to say thank you to all of you guys, you know, who are up here, and so many of you, uh, you know, I've been popping in every now and then on Thursdays. You guys have no idea who who we are, and uh, you know, but I just thank Jesus all the time, uh, you know, for for the stories that we have. I wish I could share uh, some of them, but uh, they'd be they'd be way too long. But it really has been an honor and a pleasure to serve you guys, to serve KSU, to see you guys grow uh, as, as followers of Jesus, men and women of Jesus who are going to graduate, hopefully, uh, relatively soon, hopefully, uh, and um, get awesome jobs and grow awesome families and see them serve and see you guys serve uh, and just love Jesus more and more uh, for the rest of your lives. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. Love does. And what is it that love does? Well, today, love celebrates. Here's what I want to invite you to do. As we wrap service today, is I want you to find yourself being intentional about celebrating the people around you. About celebrating what God is doing around you. About celebrating successes around you. I believe that when we do, we're a little bit more like God because God loves to celebrate. Father, be with us as we leave this place today. We love you. Help our hearts to celebrate you and to celebrate the people around us. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.